The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report start in the Pretoria High Court because that court has dismissed Bongani Ntanzi's bail application, one of the accused in the Senzo Mayiwa matter. The judge uh, hearing that is the Deputy Judge President, Audrey Ledwaba. He said the applicant did not prove exceptional circumstances or that it would be in the interest of justice to grant bail. So judgment handed down in that matter in the Senzo Mayiwa murder trial. Let's have a listen to what the judge said. Now, in this case, before me, having considered the evidence before me, I'm satisfied that the applicant has not discharged the honours to prove exceptional circumstances, that exceptional circumstances exist, and that it would be in the interest of justice to grant bail. Will you please stand up? The application for bail is dismissed. Judge Aubrey Ledwaba handing down judgment there. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter, following that matter. Khamotso, good afternoon to you. Tell us about why this bail application was brought now. It's been a good two years since Bongani Ntanzi was arrested. Good afternoon, Mandy. So the legal representative for Bongani Ntanzi, the initial legal rep, was Advocate Malisolatepo. And one of the things, well, he's disbarred now, I should say, disbarred Advocate Malisolatepo. Yes, disbarred indeed. And he, yes. He um, had initially submitted to the court that when his clients or his former clients were arrested, so that was um, uh, three or four of the accused initially, they were not granted the opportunity to apply for bail after their arrest. And so they were arrested and um, you know, brought to court for the first um, uh, court appearance, but there was never a bail application for them. And so it didn't come as a surprise when Bongani Dandi decided to apply for bail now. And that was repeated during his bail application in October last year. And so he felt that he had, um, you know, there were exceptional circumstances, according to him and his lawyers, uh, that would see him being granted a bail. Remember, he's facing uh, two Schedule 6 offenses. That is murder and robbery with aggravating circumstances. That means the onus would be on him to prove eligibility for bail. But we heard today from uh, Deputy Judge President Aubrey Lagraba that uh, he failed to show that it would be in the interest of justice for him to be granted bail. And just remind us, Khamotso, what's happening with the actual trial at the moment? Is that matter before the court uh, uh, today, or is it still kind of on on hold? So that matter returns to the courts on Tuesday, and we're expecting uh, some movement in this trial. We know that uh, there's a new witness who has been ready to take the stand from last year already. The matter adjourned last year in November. And um, on that last day, it was introduced to the court that there is a new legal representative for the first two accused. That is Advocate Sipo Ramusebele. He's also the lawyer who was here for Ndanzi today as a legal rep, even though he didn't argue for bail on his behalf in October last year. So we know that there's at least Sipo Ramusebele, who's the new uh, lawyer who's going to be in this matter. But I'm also uh, hearing, and I understand that there are two other new legal representatives who will be representing accused number three and four. That means that um, Titi Toban, who was the attorney that took over from Malisa therefore will no longer be representing the accused. But if all goes well, we should see the trial resuming in full swing on Tuesday as a new uh, witness 
and uh, I'm hearing it may be someone from the, who was in the house and Senator Mayor was killed is expected to take the stand. Interesting indeed. Khamotso, thank you very much. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter. So bail denied to one of the accused in the Senator Mayor matter. It really is taking a long time for this this trial to to work its way through. Remember we had the friend of Senator Mayor, he gave evidence. That was in November last year and uh, we're already, you know, almost in May and it would be interesting to hear from the people inside the house. So that's supposed to happen next week. Now, there's another matter here related to this. The Judicial Service Commission uh, wants the president to suspend the judge in this matter, Chifiwa Muamela, for failing to deliver judgments in cases. Some of these cases date back to 2018. So it's not specific to his handling of the Senzo Miyua matter. It's the fact that he has not delivered a series of judgments within a reasonable period. Uh, that reasonable period is defined in the judicial norms and standards. Let's unpack this further with Mbeki Zeli Benjamin, researcher for Judges Matter. Mbeki Zeli, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. We do now have this move by the Judicial Service Commission uh, to have Judge Chifiwe Muamela um, to to be suspended. What do we know about this? Uh, good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to the listeners. Um, what we know for now is that um, the judge president of the Gauteng uh, High Court filed this complaint against the two judges uh, for their slow delivery of judgment. And the complaint snaked its way through the uh, judicial misconduct system until last week, the JSC took a decision that both judges must face a tribunal, which will investigate the circumstances of the judgment. But while that tribunal is pending, the two judges must be placed on suspension by the president. So we do know that this is often an issue with judges, where they just don't deliver judges in time, they land up with a, a backlog of judgment uh, judgments, and they just don't get round to it. How common is it uh, that we have a move like this by the Judicial Service Commission for a judge to actually be suspended because they have not delivered their judgments? Well, the problem of the slow delivery of, of judgment is very common, uh, much more common than we would like. But it's not often that the JSC has taken action against those judges to the point of even recommending that they be suspended. So in some ways, we, we, it's been a while since we last saw a judge being, being suspended. There, there were a couple of, about three judges in the past who were suspended for their slow delivery of judgment. So it's not unprecedented, but it's, it's not common. And, and in fact, it should be more common considering how prevalent the problem is. Now, of course, the um, the conclusion that some people may draw from this is that there is some kind of underhandedness, that it is related to the Senzo Miyua trial, that there could be some kind of manipulation uh, of, of the system. Is it wrong to draw that, that, that inference that perhaps it could be related? Yes, it is completely wrong um, because the two things don't even align. What Judge Maumela is being suspended for is for the slow delivery of judgments. Like you said, some of the judgments have been uh, pending since 2018, others later in, in later years, in 2019 and 2020. So it is a problem that has been uh, uh, coming, and it's unfair on the people who are waiting for those judgments because some of them involve uh, criminal suspects who are languishing in jail, others uh, involve um, money that people should be paid. And so if those judgments are not delivered, it is ultimately unfair on the people who brought the cases to court. So it is completely unrelated to the sense of the U.S. trial.
And Becky Zelli, thank you very much. And Becky Zelli, Benjamin, researcher at Judges Matter, explaining this. So the Judicial Service Commission wants the judge, Chifiwa Muamela, to be suspended for failing to deliver judgments. He is the judge that has been hearing the Senzo Miyiwa trial. If he's suspended, then that will have to start from the beginning again, I imagine. And uh, as Mbeki Zelli, uh, Benjamin, said to us, the two things are completely unrelated. The Midday Report. 12.17 on the Midday Report. The funeral of the two boys murdered in Soweto is taking place today. The Premier Panyazala Sufi has been speaking there. We'll take you there in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to go to the Protea Magistrates Court because two people that were arrested in connection with the murder of the two boys in Soweto appearing in court today. And this is pretty devastating because we now know who the two are. Mobile Ndlovo, a 50-year-old, the grandmother of Tiamo Rabanye and her 39-year-old partner, Mtunzi Mzwake Zulu, appearing in the Protea Magistrates Court. They're charged with the brutal mutilation and murder of Rabanya and his five-year-old friend Mduduzi Zulu. So the grandmother of one of the boys appearing in court today. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, is in court for us. Oren, good afternoon to you. What has happened in court this morning? Afternoon, Mandy. So I've just had to step out of court. The matter just stood down for a quick conferral. Um, we know that Ngobile Ndlovu is the grandmother to Rabanya. That's the six-year-old boy who was um, initially kidnapped together with his friend, um, um, Zulu, and their bodies were found a day later. They were kidnapped last week, Wednesday. Their bodies were found by police on Thursday. And uh, it was quite a horrific sight from what community members tell me. The bodies were found in separate locations, just a few kilometers apart, but they had been mutilated. Certain body parts had been um, missing, uh, leading police to believe that it was a Muti-related killing. Now, Ndlovu is, um, is Rabanya's grandmother on his father's side. She is mother to Rabanya's father. From um, what we've been able to establish is that she had been watching the kids while they were playing outside. And she had stepped away for a bit. It was unclear whether to see her friend. And when she came back, she says, you know, the kids went missing. Um, a police uh, went to question members of the family on Monday. Uh, and on Tuesday, they took in Ndlovo and Zulu for questioning. Uh, and that questioning turned to their subsequent arrest on Wednesday. Now, they've been charged with two counts of murder, kidnapping, perjury, and defeating the ends of justice. Um, they both appeared this morning, um, and a twist that came out of court this morning is they both opted not to have legal aid or um, private representation. They have opted to actually represent themselves. Quite an interesting twist that happened this morning. The magistrate making it clear to them and, you know, their rights within the Constitution to uh, legal aid representation, but they both opted against that and have chosen to represent themselves in the matter. Hmm, pretty remarkable. Uh, so we did hear reports in Eyewitness News about how the family has responded about the fact that they feel betrayed because Ndlova was involved in the search. They, they speak about how she was there. She spent the week with them. She cried with us. She assisted us, yet she knew the truth. What kind of reception was there in court today? Were there other members of the family? And how is the community responding? 
So at, at court today, this, uh, this morning, Mandy, court proceedings uh, actually were delayed a bit due to the accused not being uh, brought to court on time. But a lot of the family members not present at court, and that's due to the fact that uh, both the boys were being buried today. Uh, so a lot of family members at the funeral, but a lot of outraged community members here at the Protea Magistrates Court. And I caught up with uh, one of Englobo's friends, who's actually her neighbor, and she tells me that she was the one that stumbled upon Rabania's body. And she had called Nglovo to the scene, and she said there was no sort of reaction or motion shown to her. Nglovo just said, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And she asked for a seat to sit down. Um, so, you know, obviously, they've only been uh, alleged to have been, you know, behind these crimes, and the state is yet to investigate further. But we do know that they were parts of the clothes of the boys that were found with blood. Um, and we understand that there was some, a sheet that was found in Nglovo's home with blood stains on it. Um, and mm. that's what the community are telling us at the moment. Oren, thank you very much. Oren Singh, EWN reporter in the Protea Magistrates Court, where the grandmother and uh, her partner have appeared in court there. Uh, as I mentioned, the funeral of the two boys murdered in Soweto took place today. Premier Panyazala Sufi uh, spoke there, and he spoke about the work of the patrollers who found the bodies and how they must be appreciated. And those that will be appearing in court this morning, they must know one thing and one thing only. We have no mercy and sorry for them. We are consoled and forever consoled by those that came when we needed them. I want to thank those patrollers that sacrificed everything to find these two boys. This is how society works. You might be unemployed, might not be your own child, but what these patrollers have done must be appreciated. That is the Premier Panyazala Sufi speaking at the funeral earlier today. The Midday Report. The Minister in the Presidency, Kumbudzo Nchaveni, has been briefing the media on the outcomes of the Cabinet meeting, which was held on Wednesday this week. One of the big themes there has been the position on the uh, on the ICC. So remember on Tuesday, President Sir Ramaphosa confirming that it was very confusing. The ANC had resolved to pull out of the ICC, and then that decision was retracted, um, and then they they issued another statement. And this is all because the ICC, which is not the Cricket Council, right, it's the International Criminal Court, has issued an arrest warrant for the Russian leader uh, Vladimir Putin because of war crimes related to the invasion of Ukraine. And Premier Alan Wendy, the Western Cape Premier, uh, has come out and spoken about this. And he says that uh, he absolutely believes that uh, Putin should be arrested. Tidi Madia, EWN's uh, senior politics uh, editor, has uh, been watching this briefing by the minister and the presidency. Tidi, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time today. Uh, so what has uh, the Minister and the Presidency been saying about all this? Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, I think let's just focus on the Western Cape Premier and the threat and the commitment to arrest Vladimir Putin should he set foot in Cape Town. What we do know is the BRICS summit, Mandy, is meant to be in Durban. But with regards to the comments themselves, the Minister almost getting to a last, but not quite, but saying there are a couple of things that the Premier needs to be mindful of, that the Western Cape is not an independent state or independent of the country, saying that Ellen Wendy can pretty much dream on. Speaking about presidential protection, saying how do you even get past 
presidential protection, but also we are a unitary state and that the rules that apply to the rest of the country absolutely apply to the Western Cape. So she pretty much dismissed them and said, what we do need to remember as a country is that the government is studying different options, but they don't necessarily believe that the rest is the way forward, absolutely, but they have an interministerial committee that's being led by the Deputy President, Paul Mashatile. They are seeking legal advice that they'll go back and look at what's on the table and come back and pronounce, take a position and pronounce mm-hmm. that to the Republic, saying that um, pretty much just dismissing the Western Cape Premier, if you may, but saying that they are looking at the situation, they are dealing with it, and they will find a way um, forward. Tidia, I'm going to play some audio of the Minister and the Presidency in a couple of minutes, just uh, explaining exactly what she said. Before we get there, though, uh, what else came up today? Anything important that Cabinet has been mulling over? Absolutely, Mandy. I think we must very quickly speak about Sudan, and I'll tell you, before I even go to Sudan, let me finish off about this particular Russia issue. The envoy from South Africa that's gone to the United States to meet with the Joe Biden administration, there's a lot of belief that there's been tension brewing between South Africa and the U.S., particularly over its stance as far as Russia is concerned. It has been refusing to denounce Russia, and the minister saying that actually they're going to the U.S. because they need to speak to all the different parties. I think you'll remember at some point last year, our country said, look, it's been asked to help with negotiations around the Russia-Ukraine conflict, saying that this is in line with that. It's not about being a fear, rather, of being kicked out of a Goa, um, getting uh, funding from America. It's not about that at all, that they have this envoy, and I think it's missing administration today, in order to negotiate these issues, saying that they must be to all the parties, and pointing out the U.S. for them is a protagonist that they need to engage with. Um, and just before I let you go, Mandy, speaking about Sudan very quickly, saying that there are five South Africans that remain in Sudan, that all the others have been successfully um, evacuated out of that country. The five have not been in touch with the mission, but they've now engaged and are now putting in place an evacuation plan to also get them out of the war-torn country. Tidi, thank you so much for wrapping that up. Uh, Tidi Madia, EWN's politics editor, uh, reflecting there on the briefing by the Minister and the Presidency, Kumbuzo Nchaveni. So I did say I was going to play you some audio just so that you can get a full picture of what the situation is around this issue of the ICC and the arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin. So firstly, have a listen to the Western Cape Premier, Alan Windy, speaking to my colleague Lester Kivit on Cape Talk, uh, in which he says that South Africa can't afford to flip-flop around Russia because there will be trade ramifications with the US and the EU. Have a listen. We are flip-flopping around Russia. Our economy is in dire straits. And quite frank, frankly, we are now saying, you know, the International Criminal Court wants this man arrested and we are saying you're welcome here in our country. Quite frankly, we need to do exactly the opposite. Uh, we need to tell the world that we will uphold uh, these agreements that we signed to because we are honourable, number one. Number two, it does not make any sense to me from a trade point of view, from an economy point of view, from uh, how we're positioning ourselves. In in actual fact, it's quite interesting right now, while we're having this flip-flopping of our president on how to deal with Putin, um, he's got his team in America trying to resurrect uh, AGOA and keep trade going with America. And Americans are asking questions about us, saying, I mean, there was a question in in their parliament saying, you know, is South Africa friend or foe? Uh, How can we be saying that to a trading partner that is five times bigger than our Russian trading partner and let alone what's happening in the the EU? 
That's the Western Cape Premier, Alan Wendy, that really has uh, stirred up a lot of response. Uh, and as you can hear from the Minister and the Presidency, Kumbuzo and Chaveni, uh, she says the stance expressed by the ANC Secretary General of the ICC is part of a number of options the party is considering. That's in line with what the President said on the matter. Have a listen. At the media engagement with the President of Finland, the journalists asked a specific question to the President which related to the decisions of the governing party as communicated by the Secretary General of the governing party. And government, the President spoke of the decision of the governing party. On that same day, the governing party clarified its decisions of its own meetings and the various options that, are, that they are considering as the governing party. And if you check on the options that the governing party related to, and I will not speak on the governing party options because it's not my space. They have their own spokesperson. If you check on the options that, uh, that the governing party related to, one of those is that which was articulated by the president. So there was no misinformation on that part. The governing party has clarified itself and its positions. And Minister Nchaveni saying that uh, Alan Wendy can dream about arresting Vladimir Putin. The Western Cape is not an independent republic out of South Africa. The Western Cape is part of the Republic of South Africa. The rules that apply in the Western Cape applies in this, are the rules of these countries. The laws that apply in the Western Cape are the laws of this country. I do not know how Premier Winde, if President Putin is in the country and he's protected by the Presidential Protection Service. I don't know how Premier Winde, who does not have even policing functions will then get through the presidential protection service and I'm sure you've seen the capacity and capability of our presidential protection service so Premier Winde can dream about whatever that's all we need is a standoff between two different law enforcement agencies and all of us around Vladimir Putin, can you imagine The Midday Report Good day Mindy Is the problem with the president a lack of capacity to lead or incompetent or poor leadership or all of all of the above why I'm saying this Mendy under Jacob Zuma we all know that the Guptas were running the country but who is running the country now Mendy why because the president is not running the country thanks David hi Mendy it's supposed speaking here Yes, about the judge that is supposed to be sus- suspended uh, because of the late delivery or failing to deliver the judgments in time. Is that going to further uh, inconvenience the, the victims, the people who are waiting those judgments? Because I would believe a new judge has to be appointed and he has to start again in those all these cases. That's my take. Good day, uh, Mandy. Yeah, it's good that uh, the uh, Deputy Judge President of the Gautenga Court, Aubrey Daba, had dismissed the application for one of the accused in the Senzumiwa trial. But I'm concerned that every time when this uh, trial is supposed to proceed, there are always delays. Now we hear that the Judge Maumela is, is the JS is proposing that he be suspended. So who's going to preside over this thing? This case will end up starting all over afresh. And we have not heard from uh, the likes of Kelly Kumar and his sister, including her mom and the, the neighbor, the one who was cleaning the house. That's where we need to go.
Thank you very much for those WhatsApp voice notes. Justice delayed is justice denied. And that's the problem. So it is a tricky one because justice is being delayed for those people that are supposed to get judgments uh, from uh, Judge uh, Muamela. And that's why the JSC is recommending that he be suspended. But then it has this knock-on effect, as you say, because the Senzo Miyua trial and other trials that he's hearing as well will then have to start again um, or will be delayed for perpetuity. Uh, and that's the problem here is that we need these things efficiently and done quickly and that's why we need to make sure that judges comply with handing down judgments the midday report the UDM is holding its National General Council. It's discussing discussing issues about the readiness for the elections and coalitions. And the idea of a potential coalition party uh, ahead of the 2024 national provincial elections uh, seems to, to be mooted. We heard the Democratic Alliance speaking about a potential moonshot pact. It hasn't landed well with other parties. And now Bantu Holomisa, uh, who is General Bantu Holomisa, the leader of the UDM, has put forward a proposal for some kind of umbrella party. Govan Whittles is the Newsroom Africa reporter who's following this UDM National General Council. Govan, good afternoon to you. Thank you for making time to speak to us today. What is Bantu Holomisa suggesting here about a a kind of umbrella party to contend in the elections? Well, he's suggesting a party which has its own logo, name and colours, and that uh, party that's essentially registered with the IEC that contests the elections on behalf of the parties who would essentially go into coalition government, something similar to what's happened in Kenya. Um, and this time, Banto Lamisa insists that these parties would be able to retain their own identities. He's talking about the DA, the UDM, Action SA, and the other group of parties which have been known to go into coalition together around the country. And he's floating this idea around in response to this moonshot pact. He doesn't really like the idea of having to go into a pact with the DA um, and suggests that if they don't form this party and register it with the IEC, then they'll have to negotiate with each other after the 2024 elections. So the UDM coming out with its own idea of what should happen and how the party should get together. No sense yet of whether or not this will land as badly as the Moonshot Pact did. How is this different to the Moonshot Pact? And who would be the face of it? So who would be the leader of this this umbrella party? Well, it's different in the sense that Pantor Lamis and the UDM are suggesting they register with the IEC, that they develop a name and that they essentially develop a steering committee um, and then based on that steering committee, they would choose the face of, of whoever leads this uh, coalition party, essentially. In Kenya, the president formed this type of coalition party, and he was the face of the Diamond Jubilee movement. In South Africa, I suppose they would have a logo, uh, which is reflective of all of the other parties, and then have multiple people representing it. There certainly would be a contest of egos to try and get um, the party's uh, face to be the main face of, of the coalition movement, from the onset, it already spells trouble because we know how these parties have engaged with each other. Um, and it looks like this is the UDM's um, suggestion on its own, which it hasn't canvassed with the other parties just yet. Uh, it does seem like they're just uh, offering their own suggestion in response to what other parties are saying. And there hasn't been much substance behind how mm. it would actually work, considering the state of the relations.
Govan, thanks so much for explaining that and unpacking it for us. Govan Whittle's Newsroom Africa reporter explaining uh, what is happening with Bantu Holomisa's suggestion around a potential umbrella party. It would register with the IEC. It would have its own logo. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that that works? How does this compare for you to the DA's moonshot pact, which has not landed well at all? I just can't see it happening with all of the infighting and the arguing and the egos involved with various political parties. Um, but it would be very much like the US where you have a two-party contest uh, when it comes to, to uh, national elections for, for president. Uh, what do you think? Does that work for you? The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. An interesting opinion piece, an article written by the AgriSA CEO, Christopher Under Reader in News24 today, warning that the country could face a food crisis due to load shedding. We know there's all kinds of problems associated with load shedding. But what Christopher Under Reader is saying that uh, South Africa is more than two months into the interventions announced by the president during the State of the Nation address. Um, and banks are warning of the possibility of a grid collapse. South Africans bracing for the worst winter yet. And it's worth contemplating the implications of this worsening scenario for South Africa's food producers, giving their centrality to the most basic of needs for us all, food. Christophe Anderreda, the CEO of AgriSA, joining us now. Christophe, good afternoon to you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. You have written this, this opinion piece. It is ominous. What exactly are you warning of? Good uh, morning and good morning to all of your listeners. Now, AgriSA is... Um quite uh, worried about the impact that load shedding has on the food processing industry. We have done quite well in terms of uh, uh, harvesting more than 15 million tons of grains, uh, additional 2 million tons of soya. Uh, So overall, on the food production side, uh, everything is going well. However, we are very concerned about uh, the processing side. Remember, people don't just eat uh, grains uh, as uh, it has been harvested. It must be processed into various types of uh, cereals. And uh, that for us is the big concern. And then secondly, uh, we've seen a quite a spike in the price of uh, various kinds of vegetables, uh, also various kinds of fruit, and that is as a result of what is happening throughout the value chain. People must now fork out a lot of money to spend on uh, buying diesel generators, uh, spend a lot of money on just buying diesel, and uh, it is very disruptive for the food producing sector at this point in time. We have seen the new Minister of Electricity being very visible, but not actually getting much done because there's still all of this conflict around what power he actually has. There was a state of disaster. That's now been revoked. Um, as far as AgriSA is concerned, is enough actually being done to deal with the load shedding issue? Unfortunately, there's a, political, there's a lot of political power play. <clears throat> Remember, the Minister of Energy has the mandate to look at alternative energy sources, and he is also the person that must uh, approve of all the applications for uh, uh, private producers to come on board to generate electricity. Then you've got the Minister of Public Enterprises, who is uh, responsible for the uh, ESCOM uh, and also other uh, uh, state-owned enterprises. The big challenge is that the Minister of Electricity that was appointed has no constitutional mandate. 
has no legal framework on which he or she can, at, he, at this point in time, can base his intervention. So he relies on the goodwill and the cooperation of those two ministers, Minister of Energy and Public Enterprises. And this has now resulted in a full-scale turf war. And um, there's a movement in terms of the interventions that uh, the president himself has announced during his uh, um, um, uh, uh, State of the Nation address. Mm. And that's for us is something that uh, we need to be resolved. Uh, we cannot understand why the president appoints an additional minister with right. no constitutional powers. Uh, fire the other ministers if they can't do their job properly. Christo, thank you so much. Uh, Christo van der Reda, the CEO of AgriSA. Ominous, this opinion piece that he has written, that warning that South Africa will face a food crisis because of load shedding. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.